Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and my name is Jonathan Starkey, and I'm the host of Jesha Mantas. Now, I'd like to say it's that digital pub, but tonight we are live. So I'm just going to say, are you there, Steve? Although I can see you, so I know that you are. So just say hello. I'm not there. We're all here. All right. Okay. So you're not there. We're all here. Okay. Mark, moving on. Say hello, Mark. Hello, Mark. I'm not there. I'm here too. Fine. And Trevor, hello. I'm here as well. Good evening, Cheshire. Well, what a week this has been. There are so many stories, as I say always again. What's this? Pretty Patel is in a £20 million PPE lobbying storm. Nicola Sturgeon hands the Scottish NHS staff 4% salary rise. Now, we know how she's able to do that, don't we, chaps? Mm. We certainly do. Yes, because we were speaking about it. Now, there's some guy going to expose the Met with their cover-up culture. Peter Hitchens, how long before common sense is actually illegal? And Gavin Esler. I quite like Gavin Esler. I mean, I know he was BBC. Yeah, okay, all right. But, you know, he's asking the question, why is Sturgeon being allowed to dominate the debate? And the big story of the week, which I think is going to actually take us by storm, is isn't it time that we saved ourselves from this plague of wokery? Yeah? Couldn't agree more. You know, uh, and I think that's what actually, the wokery, I think that's what's actually brought Labour down because they kept on supporting all these minority things. So I'm going to kick us off this discussion on woke and I'm just going to say, does anybody know what the point of Archbishop Welby is? No. Well, no. because we discussed one of his clergy, Bernard Randall, being mistreated for stating the Christian position in a reasoned and tolerant way in the place where he was, he was educating kids. And Archbishop Welby didn't say anything. He didn't say a word about it, didn't even comment. So what's all that about? And yet he'll comment on other things to do with Black Lives Matter and things of that nature. What's Boris doing about it? Anybody want to start, uh, start me off there? Go ahead, Steve. I think it's time in this country that this wokeism, for want of a better phrase, which is effectively nothing more than a cultural Marxist plan to undermine every aspect of traditionalism in this country, was seriously looked at. The British public now, day in, day out, are barraged with endless stories of organisations, public services and people in positions who appear to be unaccountable and are running their, their own agendas to undermine everything that this country is about. And it's time these people were brought to account. It's out of control. I'm going to say a little point on this very quickly, which is this. I actually believe now that the issue is now so serious that people all over the country are now questioning their own identity, whether they can express it, and whether they can actually stand up for what they are about in this country and their own traditional values. And I actually think it's starting to affect people in terms of their own personal well-being going forward. It's very serious now. I agree with Steve, to be honest. When we first started doing this woke section on the show each week, probably one or two stories to choose from. Now it's like one or two a day. It's incredible. It is literally out of control. I know we talk about it a lot, but I think we need some solutions to this problem. Now, I don't think the not-so-conservatives have got it in them, to be honest. But they're going to try and properly tackle this issue, but I doubt it. The problem with it is many of them have been in positions of power while this minority have just dictated our moral values. And they're demanding, by their moral standards, we agree with them or face what dehumanising and cancelling. 
so to speak. I mean, I don't know. I think we're just upsetting the feelings of adult babies, to be honest. I don't think the Conservatives have got it in them, but we'll see. Now, here's one for Steve. I've noticed it. Remember Tony Blair? He seems I'd rather to be, not. Yeah, he, see, he seems to be making, <laughs> we forget him? He seems to be making some comeback lately. I now, seriously hope not. Yeah, he actually um, he said that people are suspicious of what, be, what lies behind the agenda of the culture warriors on the left. Uh, they tend to be uh, an ide- ideology that they find alien and extreme. They've come up with sentences like, defund the police. And that's probably one of the, the worst comments that the left has ever come out with. And moderates, he stresses, cannot afford to ignore the alienating culture politics of the left. People do not like their country, their flag, or their history to be disrespected. And that's from Tony Blair, and I thought he was saying that to Steve. Well, Labour actually lost the election because they were backing Wokery. And the the Red Wall seats, you can actually say, were lost because of Labour supporting politically correct issues that aren't actually really backed by the public. So does that mean that Labour are out of touch with public opinion? Yeah, the reason the Labour Party will never win an election again is because of, because of its gender politics. It backs every possible minority group, which is fine in the ideal world, but Labour's problem is that it then lets the minority take over and enforce minority rule on the majority. It's simple. And again, I'm sorry, just to quote Tony Blair, you will lose a loud majority, but you will win a silent majority. I actually think this is very serious, Trevor, and I'm glad you've said this because there's a tremendous irony to this, whether people in the the Labour Party, whether the moderates or extreme left, the reality is these people generally speaking, in the Labour Party over the years, were attacking anybody who was standing up for independence, traditional values, traditional culture, traditional beliefs in this country at all. Anybody who expressed any form of, of belief in this country based on its history, our flag and everything else, has been slated for years and now the tide is turning. Well, did anybody see that? So Kia now said it was wrong for the protesters to take down Edward Colston's statue. Yeah, now they say it's wrong. Yeah. Now he says it's wrong. Yeah. Go ahead, Matt. Okay, well, I'll just back what Trevor was saying about the minority. Uh, according to ONS figures, 2% of this country identify as LGBT, whatever it is. And in my experience, the majority, if not all, of LGBT people just consider themselves as people, to be honest, yeah. and they don't buy into this, this identity politics. Now, it's estimated in the US to be around 5% with around 9% making up regular characters on scripted TV shows in the US. Data actually shows black people were fairly represented in the Oscars. So only the identity-obsessed morons care about what what group they belong to, in my opinion, because it gets them virtue points, doesn't it? Fighting this imaginary oppression. Well, it's because... It's because those, you know, who are actually in authority are either supporting it or, by the same token, are not willing to actually do anything against it. And that's the problem. And the majority are against it. So it's now time for the government to do something about it. Thank you, Jonathan. I'm just going to make a little personal statement here. And if it offends anybody, I really don't care because I'm going to say this on behalf of many people who think likewise across the country. And I'm going to speak out about my identity. And I'm going to confirm it as follows. 
I am a male, heterosexual, white, middle-aged, Christian-believing, married man who's been married for nearly 40 years. I have three children, and I believe in traditional values in this country. I believe in fairness and equality and treating everybody with respect. But I am literally sick to death, like millions of people across this country, of feeling as though my personal identity, similar to millions of other people, is now somewhat offensive and also something that you can't actually express. So I've done it. If anybody's offended by it, well, I'm expected to be offended by a lot of things in this country. And in effect, I am because I believe in everything that this country is and has been about. And it's about time. And more people are, I'm pleased to say, defending our history and standing up for it. What I don't buy into, and I'm going to be very blunt on this, is the fact that people in the Labour Party, I don't believe Keir Starmer, I don't believe Tony Blair, I don't believe any of these people. They're simply coming out of the woodwork against all of this because they can see the support for their party, which has actually set about for 20 years, in my view, to absolutely destroy this country. Well, that was reflected in that story that we did last week about the London North East Railways, when that non-binary passenger was basically offended by somebody saying, ladies and gentlemen. Absolutely. I just, Absolutely. I, I think that's wrong. So we're looking at the, someone to come and try and stick up for this, stick up for us and solve this problem. And as I say, the Conservatives have got this anti-woke manifesto, but it doesn't fill me with joy, to be honest. They're bragging about this free speech champion who will stop university deplatforming. Yet they're turfing out teachers and pupils, left, right and centre, for saying, I don't know, revolutionary things like um, a woman has a vagina or quoting the Bible. What I want to know is how are they going to deal with this postmodern Marxist identitarian, these teachers and these movements in universities, for instance? It's going to have to be quite radical. And I just don't, I just don't think they've got the guts for it. Well, it's got to be reversed. I mean, there's no ter- those gains that they've made in the schools yeah. you know, and everything that they've done has to be reversed, both not only in the schools, but the universities, broadcasting and everywhere. That, that rule of wokery is just going to continue until somebody dares resist it all. They're saying the Battle of Britain has apparently begun against these dark forces of woke from a galaxy far, far away. Yeah, entertainment, TV, comedy, award shows, music, sport, film, art, etc., etc., have all gone woke. And I just quoted from the Daily Mail there, which I thought was absolutely brilliant. And unless we dare to resist it, it will just carry on. It will have to run its course. Do you reckon? When Labour, finally, when they wake up and they understand what's happening... Because it's not difficult. It's not difficult. They're not electable. It's as simple as that. So That's they... because there's no there's no demand for it for the public from the public. No, the public. This is as I say. I mean, Blair. I know it's Blair who mentioned it the other day. The point is, you know, it's just a fact that people just don't want it, and they're not going to vote for it. And anybody that, that goes along those lines will not receive the votes. It's as simple as that. Labour are not electable. Yeah, that's because of what they've done. Even taking the knee. Appalling. Absolutely appalling. Absolutely. It was the wrong thing to do. Absolutely appalling. Just uh, three quick points. One is, in reference to taking the knee that you've just mentioned there, Jonathan, I'm going to say this. I'm an Englishman. I took the knee to ask my wife to marry me. I do it before the Queen. I'll do it before God when I part this world for nobody else and no particular demographic over another. And I certainly won't do it on behalf of an organisation that has a, a far-left extremist cultural Marxist agenda across the world that went about cities in the West, destroying cities and, and bridging, you know, extending division between people. No way whatsoever. Absolutely appalling. 
On the point that Trevor made about the Labour Party, I actually think they are now completely unelectable. I don't think they'll ever come back from this, despite the words from Keir Starman and Tony Blair and the likes of those people at all. I think we need another party to come in now and give an opposition to, to the people. And let's be fair, this is not just a domain of Labour. The Conservatives have their own problems as well. I mean, look at everything that's been going on with the money that's being paid, everything out on the PPE. Look what the Good Law Project are doing right now, the way that they're actually attacking the government and the winning to get that information out. So it's not just the domain of the Labour Party. We have to be fair about that. Absolutely. What we have to do as well, and going back to the point Mark was raising about where these problems are emanating from, I think it's time we had policy in place for public services to stop people being closed down through uh, individual corporate policy applied to public services and we should have proper fair representation of people across the board and people should be able to express themselves in relation to their personal identity and we've discussed how the majority is in this country. Yeah, we, do, we need to be tolerant. There's no doubt about it. So I think it's the, it is the job of the government to do something about this. I think it is. And Boris has got to actually stand up and be counted and say, listen, that's it. We've had enough of this. We need to we need to move on. Final word from Mark. In an ideal world, that would be perfect. But they're also saying they're going to tackle immigration, which they've been doing for 10 years and failed. So I don't know. I just want on one last point. I just want to know how are they going to get how are they going to fix the fact that everyone's always offended? And do you know what? It's half the time. It's not actually offense. It's just things they don't agree with or don't like hearing. So I think we need to bring back the old-fashioned way of, if you don't like what someone's saying, don't listen to them. That's right. It's as simple as that. I would agree yeah. with that. Switch um, off. And I think, we should, yeah, I think we should um, wrap up that part of the conversation and move on because we've got an article, a local article, from our good friend. Now, what are we going to call him this week? Is it, is it <laughs> Captain, um, Captain Courageous? Is it uh, Captain, what's his name, Crow? No, Raven. That's it. Captain Raven. I, I like Raven. Raven Mad. Yeah, Raven Mad. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good one. Yeah, no, yes. we'll, we'll just go with Raven. That's been agreed, you know, uh, despite... Yeah, but where's your wings? We don't see any wings. No, it's, I come from the Vikings. It's to do with my surname. Oh, oh, you come from the Vikings? Yes. Oh, I, I thought you were born the normal way. <laughs> <laughs> Right, very good, very good. Uh, glad to see we're, we're carrying on the norm. Uh, right, okay, I just want to raise actually across Cheshire West an interesting subject which will be of a lot of interest actually to council taxpayers across the area because I understand and I'm in touch with various people across the area who are trying to get representation on this and have been for some time in relation to the fact that HMOs, homes of multiple occupancy, seemingly are council tax exempt. So what I would like to do is Cheshire Matters send out an invitation to Carol Garn, who is uh, Head of Finance with Cheshire West, to come on the show and give some clarity on this and ask how many homes in Cheshire West are actually exempt from council tax and the cost of this to the local authority being lumped on everybody else having to pay more. Ooh. Yeah, that's a good point. I wasn't aware of that, Steve. 
multi-occupancy. Oh, can't even say it. Big houses <laughs> with lots of bedrooms. Yeah, they don't. They don't have. To, they don't have to pay the council tax. Yeah, well, just just to make sure that there's uh, no problem with our house, I'm just going to live in the shed. Um, right. I'm joking, of course. Aware of that. But to be honest, with you, it's a very serious issue, and I'm aware of um, campaigners. I've got lots of detail on this, including attempts to get representation answers and lots of other things on this matter um, from people involved in the issue over many years. I'm, I'm fully up to speed with the ongoings of who, what, when, where, why and how. And um, I think it's time we had Carol Garn on, who's head of finance of Cheshire West, to give some answers on this. Do you really think that she's going to accept our invitation? Well, I think, to be quite honest with you, I think she should because she's head of finance for Cheshire West and Chester Council. She has control of a huge budget, and I think the council taxpayers in Chester and across the region should have an explanation on how many properties in the area are exempt from paying council tax. A lot of people actually find it very difficult to pay the council tax bill, which, by the way, under Labour, is going up year on year on year. So I'm going to be looking at the cost of the council tax in Chester and beyond and how that's been going up over the past six or seven years. Okay, so what you're actually saying is is that the actual cost of everybody else's council tax is going in to support those who aren't paying council tax. Well, it has to be naturally the case that um, you know all the services are covered by whatever income is coming in, and it's obviously not obviously not um, shared equally. Yeah, may I suspect there that as it would in a private rented household that the household would pay the council tax. Maybe the students pay the council tax. Do they? Could that be the Could that be the point? Well, there's an interesting question. I don't know the answer to that one. Again, let's get Carol Garn on the yeah, show. Yeah, let, let, let's investigate it. Yes, certainly. You know, and so, also uh, a very quick point. I'm going to email Chris Matheson, and I'm going to ask him his position on this. Not what he's. And let me just make it clear to anybody outside of the area who doesn't know: Chris Matheson is the MP for Chester. It's interesting we have to clarify that. Um, but that's another story. Um, but, yeah, nonetheless, um, I think it's important he gives us his position on this, so I will email him this, this coming week on the matter. And this is definitely not a storm in a student's teacup. Not from the emails that I've seen and the information that I've seen that's going back and forth and has been for a number of years. This is far from a storm in a teacup. And actually, there's organisations all over the, the UK where there's uh, large student populations and there's lots of these types of properties which are seemingly council tax exempt. OK. OK. It seems a bit unfair when we pay ours. You know, what's bugging me is the council tax keep going up by ridiculous amounts, but we haven't had any referendums on it like we should do. Ooh. Ooh, that's a good one. Can I jump in on Warrington? Oh, you sure can. <laughs> you, you, Go on. you want to jump in on everything? Jump in. Jump in. Is it going to be, another Trevor, election. you deeming another election? I was just about to say. <laughs> <laughs> Ours has gone up by 5.1%. So it's 0.1 over the point that should have actually generated a referendum. It should have triggered a referendum. <gasps> Did you get one? No. I wonder why. But you're it, under it, the Labour Council there, Trevor. You don't expect democracy properly, it's surely. It's always been 0.98% of whatever figure. Hey, wait a minute. We're not exactly getting democracy under the Conservatives either. I think it's their move. I think it's their move. Just, just ignore the law on this occasion because we need more money. Uh, okay. A pattern appearing, doesn't it? 
I'm not de defending Labour when I say that. I'm just being fair. Talk about defending democracy. Look what's happening now. I mean, are we going to be allowed to go out on June the 21st? Well, it appears to yes. be the case that in modern Britain, we have to put our hand up and ask the teacher whatever we can do every five <laughs> no, minutes. It's no, absolutely no. bizarre now, to be quite honestly, you know, in terms of where we're at. I never thought in all my life I'd see this country arrive at a situation where people are asking themselves every little thing that they have to do every day, whether they're allowed to do it. But perhaps um, uh, Councillor Garn might actually enlighten us into those particular areas of what should be or shouldn't be and whether or not we're under any form of misconception about these these things. I think the word Steve was looking for is we no longer live in a liberal democracy, do we? Liberal? I thought... I. Oh, yeah. Okay, go ahead. Well, I'm not sure what sort of country we live in anymore at the moment anyway, but... But it's England. Well, I'm... Used to be. Do you know what? I, I take <laughs> my hat off to you tonight, Mr. Starkey, for using the word England. I'm glad to see it's making a comeback because at one time, due to the far left it was deemed offensive for lots of hey, reasons and the burnham said you better get in to the fact that mm. there's going to be an english parliament exactly and and i think that's fabulous i will say this regarding the council tax and this is a little serious point now i think it's actually time for a serious review on local taxation because the council tax bill at the rates it's going up in the next few years, it's already hitting a lot of people. And a lot of people don't pay any council tax for lots of different reasons. And now we're discovering HMOs are exempt, uh, allegedly, and all sorts of other different reasons that, you know, the council tax, people don't pay it. I actually think, given the cost of the council tax and the rate it's going up within the next few years, you're going to see real, real hardship and people struggling to pay these bills. And it's time for a review of local taxation because we cannot keep seeing the levels of rises at local level and people struggling to pay them. Well, a question that I'd like to ask uh, Councillor Garn is, do travellers pay council tax? Because there's a Liberal commentator, Matthew Paris, who used to be a Conservative MP, who says travellers must be told their way of life is over and they have no place in modern Britain after a group takes over a car park near his peak district home. And he's asking the local authorities to create traveller sites. So are they paying council tax? That's an issue I really don't know the answer I'd, to. I'd like to ask that to Councillor Garn to see if they are. Anyway, let's wrap up that part. Of, oh, Trevor, I see, I see that you want to say something. Yeah, so. I was waving my pen. Yeah, what it was was I've, I've noticed... But uh, that's been going on for quite a while, the traveller sites. They're giving them regular sites where the it's a way of getting around to having to evict them. St. Helens was the first council to introduce one of those. All right. Yeah, I don't know whether you know that or not. Yeah, and they have a regular site there. So that what happens if the travellers decide to park up on some sort of, you know, um, shopping area or something like that on the car park, they can then, by law, be moved on, whereas before they had traveller sites... It was more difficult to do that. So I take it that they would be paying some form of council tax on the traveller sites? Yes, I think so, but I don't know. That'd be an interesting, interesting uh, question to ask Councillor Garn. Right, well, I'm going to wrap up that part of the conversation and we're going to move on. And this is an article to do with the Queen's speech. And Mr Hartley is going to lead with that. Go, Statsman. Go, go, go. He looks strange. 
Something I suspect has gone awry. I think it has, yeah. Has the Queen gone to Portugal on holiday? <laughs> I think we've just covered all this, haven't we? <laughs> well, there was there was some parts of it that you wanted to mention about a certain MP. Oh, right. Sorry. Can we scrap that bit? No, we're going to leave that in, but go ahead. <laughs> this was me woke was washed up. This was the woke of the week, this was. Okay. Just just one second, people. I just need a little lie down to gather myself for another woke issue. I'm, I'm struggling with all this lately. Okay. Well, this is the Carry thing, on. you see. After all that woke negativity, woke might be washed up again. As Jacob Rees-Mogg spoke out against this woke nonsense in Parliament this week. Yay. He did. And in fact, he reinforced we have free speech via the Bill of Rights. We've spoke about that, haven't we, a few times? Oh, we yeah. Have. yeah. Not we many have. do. So here's the man himself to tell us all about it. Mr Speaker, my honourable friend is right to raise his concerns about the charge of the Woke Brigade, though I seem to remember that the charge of the Light Brigade was ultimately not an enormously successful venture, and I think the charge of the Light Brigade, of the Woke Brigade, will be similarly thwarted in the end. Um, But my honourable friend is absolutely right to say that the Higher Education Freedom of Speech Bill, which was announced in the Queen's speech, uh, will protect the fundamental principle of freedom of speech by strengthening existing freedoms of speech and addressing gaps within the current framework, uh, there must be consequences for the breach of freedom of speech duties, and these legislative changes will ensure the significance and compliance that freedom of speech deserves. And this is of fundamental importance. If our places of education are not bastions of freedom of speech, what purpose do they serve? The whole point of the university, this clash of ideas, as in this House, the clash of ideas that we have back and forth, this House is protecting freedom of speech by the Bill of Rights. We should protect and encourage and enhance freedom of speech across the land. So, he had quite a bit to say for himself. What do you know, what'd you make of that, Mark? That's pretty good. You liked it? Yeah. Okay. Let's see if, I'm, I'm still not confident they're going to, you know, pull through with all this, but they're saying the right things to start, isn't it? It's better than nothing. Actually, Mark, you've raised a very important issue there, namely the Bill of Rights. I actually think the school education system, part of the curriculum now should be the Bill of Rights, Magna Carta, Common Law, so that people can understand our ancient freedoms, rights and privileges and actually be taught about them. Oh, yes. It's time we got back to where our freedoms and rights really do emanate from and not actually that pile of... He's off. He's off on one. You can see it. (laughs) And it wasn't that pile of dog rot that was the European (laughs) Union. We never had any rights emanate from there. That was just a shambles. Anyway, it's gone. But there you go. Tuck his box away. Tuck his box away. <laughs> gone. Gone. I think we should move on. And, you know, we've heard enough from Steve, but we're going to be actually hearing some more from him now because his public figure of the week is... Go on, Steve. You say it. You introduce this, Steve. Go ahead. Right. Okay. I. I okay. Re- it's Jordan Peterson. <laughs> just likes to steal the thunder, doesn't he? He's here, ladies and gentlemen, with a control box, and it's he just runs a mock. He really does. Um, we're going to bypass him with some kind of electrical uh, equipment next week, see what we can do. It's called an electric chair. Wait till well, he gets some pantomime buttons. Yeah, you check your chair next week. Right, He's I'm actually you. a very big fan of Dr. Jordan Peterson for many reasons, actually. This chap, I've read his book, he's written loads of articles, but he's got one particular book, 12 Rules for Life, which is absolutely tremendous. I recommend it to anybody. He's continued his positive influence and guidance to provide clarity in a chaotic world. 
and he provides great perspective, positivity, and encouragement to people uh, for the future going forward. And and considering the chaos in the world at the moment, in in many ways, I think the guy is absolutely fantastic. He's a psychologist. He's tremendous. Really is. Read his stuff. Well, we're going to move on to shout-outs and shout-downs, and I'm going to go straight away to Trevor. Trevor, what have you got? Thank you, Jonathan. I've got a shout-out this week. Yes. Now, it's for the French court, who ruled that compensation should be paid to all women who were given the PIP implants and suffered the pain of a criminal act. Now, these are the PIP breast implants that were given. And, and some of these ladies have suffered enough. They've been through cancer problems, etc. And they were supplied with these um, very... Dodgy. Dodgy, really dodgy um, implants. And the, it's taken years, but the court, a French court, unfortunately, but it's still a French court, ruled that they should um, get compensation from here on in. And I think that's excellent. Oh, that's brilliant. Okay, going across to Mark. What's yours, Mark? Well, today my shout-out is for Stephen Ingram. Oof. Yes, for his dedication to podcasts, for riding all the way here tonight on his bicycle. In the rain. Oh, in the rain. In the rain. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, you should have seen him. Six foot four, drenched moggy. And he, and he didn't wear his lycra, so that was good. I know, yes, I'll just <laughs> clarify for the listeners, I do not wear lycra. In fact, I think it's something really? that should be made illegal, to be quite frank. And when he pulled up at the door, he was singing, down, up, pedals, down, up, down, because I've got to get across to the other side of town before the sun goes down. Hey, I'm trying to encourage people, you know, to get fit and active here and to compete and not to waste of time. Gosh, gosh, gosh. All right. Well, uh, who's your shout out or shout down for, Steve? Well, gentlemen, mine is to Cheshire Police for their recruitment and increase in the special constabulary. I think this is a very good thing, actually, because it supports the police and it's a good way for people, if they wish, to test the water, as I call it, for a full time career. Well, my shout-out is going to be for former detective Paul Settle, who has vowed to expose the culture of cover-up at the Met. I mean, he he thinks the, the whole thing was shambolic over the VIP abuse inquiry. And he reveals how officers were like the Gestapo when they raided the homes of those falsely accused, including Harvey Proctor and Leon Britton. So my shout-out goes to him. He's a brave man because he would have been hounded for those things and being able to come out. It's just a shame they didn't take that attitude with some of these gangs up north and everywhere. They've been, well, I think, know, I, think that's, mm. I think that's going to come. I think, well, you know, absolutely it's, it. it's going to come. Actually, I think there's a very good point, Jonathan, because I think the, the, the culture, if you like, in our country is turning in favour of people who are brave enough to speak out now on many issues, campaign openly and question things publicly. And that's actually what we should have in a free society. Without fear. Well, gentlemen, you can hear now it is last orders. Is that a fire? Is it no, a fire? Last orders Good. at the bar. Last orders at the bar. And we're going to move on now to the outro, which is going to be the positives and the quotes. So we're going to see what's everybody got. Steve, you're now here in real life. You're not on a screen. So do you want music? I would like the music, absolutely. And I'd like, again, to make the request that each week we finish with the national anthem. No. Okay. Go ahead. 
Well, my positive is quite straightforward. It's just a little message that I've actually made up. Always look to keep in developing yourself, reading, develop new skills, hobbies, helping others, stay positive and really set out to live a fulfilled life. My positive this week are the pubs are open and we seem to be getting back to something near to normality, so long may it continue. And my quote is, just when the caterpillar thought the world was over, she became a butterfly. <gasps> Isn't that lovely that oh. it is? Bless you, cotton socks. Well, my, my quote is, as always, thank God it's all over. I'm, You're not. I'm, You're I, not. I am. I am. Thank You're God it's all over. You're playing there with those buttons and all this uh, You gear. can see me playing with the buttons now before you couldn't. Mm. We've had to mess around here for what seems like a lifetime with you testing this, oh, testing that all beforehand. Oh, it's all good fun. You don't, you don't yeah, mean it. Yeah, you want to see me mute you now? You're going to watch? <laughs> Go You're going to watch this finger? You're going to watch this finger? Where is the, the national anthem? Oh, we there you go. Never mind. Say it again. Where is the national? Can <laughs> <laughs> I have one of them buttons too? <laughs> well, it's good night from everybody here tonight. Thanks very much for listening in. This is good night from Cheshire Matters from me, Jonathan Starkey, Trevor. Good night, everybody in Cheshire. Mark. Good night to all our lovely listeners and Captain. Good night, and I've still got to ride home. Oh yes, Ooh, indeed. Okay. All right, okay. Well, forgot about that. let's hope that it doesn't rain for you, Steve. I'm going to go do a rain dance in a minute. <laughs>